Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night, and the evening passed, and morning came, marking the first Day. Everyone say light. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Everyone say Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The word of the Lord for you today. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, join us here. Speak to our hearts Father, I pray that you would replace darkness with your light. God, today, that just as you did in the beginning, God, that you would create in us who you call us to be. God, I pray that you would work through the preaching of your word today. God, and that you would prepare our hearts to receive exactly what you have for us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I'm excited to be with you today. Merry Christmas. Uh, It's time to turn over the car radio to the Christmas stations, isn't it? Uh, Where we can all sing along to Mariah Carey and Justin Bieber. And all I want for Christmas is you. Well, welcome to Good Tidings. It's hard to believe that we're here. Um, But we find in the Gospel of Luke, it says, and I like this, this is the King James Version. Don't normally read that, but I'm going to start there. It says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Good tidings in Old English means good news. And we're going to spend the next few weeks until Christmas sharing this good news from a fresh perspective. You see, the perspective we're going to be looking at today and over these next few weeks doesn't include a manger, a donkey, wise men, or cows lowing. Or whatever else we think of, we may reference those things. But what we're actually going to be focusing on, I read John chapter 1 just a moment ago, 
which mirrors in Scripture what God did in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Where it talks about and focuses on something special, the special, cosmic, world-changing moment that Jesus came to live among us. That's what we're going to focus on, this moment and what it means and what the implications were when Jesus came and actually became a human and took on flesh and decided to dwell and live among us. That we find a new creation beginning in that moment that just as God created in the beginning, he's recreating something new when Jesus came. I love in Genesis chapter 1, actually, I found this translation uh, a little while ago. In Genesis chapter 1, in this translation, it says, Earth, in the beginning, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss, and God spoke light, and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day and he named the dark night. It was evening. It was the morning. Day one. You see, after the six days of creation, God declares it's good and he rests. And on the seventh day, he rests. God takes chaos and creates order with his spoken word. Everyone say word. We're going to get there, I promise. But one of the things that we find in the ancient Hebrew understanding of God is they understood, and we also believe this, that when God created, it was enough for God to just speak, and it happens. In fact, we find in the book of Psalms, chapter 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. And John, the gospel writer in John, chapter 1, says, You know that word that was spoken isn't just a word, but it's a person. The force and power of creation embodied is the person of Jesus Christ. You see, before the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And this word brought light to all, and the darkness could not overcome it. You see, Jesus' entry into the world signifies a new era in human history. In fact, I find a quote from C.S. Lewis that says, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. C.S. Lewis felt very strongly about Christmas. I found this as I was researching him uh, this week. You should check into it yourself. But he also says this. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the Incarnation. For those of you that aren't church people, incarnation means this. It is the moment where God became flesh and dwelt among us. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man and every other miracle prepares for this, exhibits this, or results from this. As I was digging deeper into the understanding of the incarnation, you see, this is something that, you know, growing up as a kid in the church, you know, we have baby Jesus in a manger, and he's cute and, you know, cuddly, and we set up the little manger scenes at our house, and I think sometimes we kind of skim past the power of the incarnation. Like, what happened that night? What happened when Christ was born? And, and I found this poem also by C.S. Lewis called The Turn of the Tides. 
And I thought it was appropriate, since we're calling this series Good Tidings, to call this message The Turn of the Tides, or Turn the Tides. Because in his poem, and it took me four or five times reading it, maybe I'm just not a great reader or comprehensive reading, maybe just doesn't stick. I read it four or five times just to try to grasp what he was saying. In fact, uh, I have the poem in the link in the sermon notes on the app if you want to go check it out, but don't do it right now because it'll probably distract you for the rest of the time. But as I was reading, he was talking about what happened that night. What did it look like? The world was heading in one direction and moving a certain direction. And then in that moment, something changed forever. And in the poem, he goes from the stars to the animals to the kings to the sea. And he says, a calm came over the ebbing tides as the world was headed away, retreating, there was calm, and then a wind begins to blow. The heavens hold their breath. Something's different. Something changes, and then we find a little baby born in Bethlehem. I'm only gonna read the last part of this poem. It says, so death lay in arrest. But at Bethlehem, the blessed, nothing greater could be heard than sighing wind in the thorn, the cry of one newborn and cattle in stable as they stirred. The world changed forever, and the most significant sound that we heard as the world changes is the cry of a newborn. In a somewhat unknown place over in the Middle East, the tides turned for humanity. And so I want to ask you a simple question today. What tides does God want to turn in your life? What tides do you need God to turn in your life? You see, one of my favorite places to go is Hilton Head Island. I don't know if you've ever been there before or been to the beach. But based off of the time of day and the seasons of the year, you get to watch the tides come in and the tides go out. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is to go late at night when it's dark and I'll walk out on the beach that previously had been underwater all day and I'll just walk and walk and walk and it just feels like it'll never end as I'm looking for crabs and different things. Anyone do, like, do that? And then I find a crab, but I'm too afraid to grab it because I don't want it to pinch me. I digress. But here's the interesting thing about tides. Turn the tides. It's a phrase we have in culture. It's a phrase that we use. And a lot of times we think when we're turning the tide in our life is because of what we do, right? Man, if I could just turn the tide, if I could just work a little bit harder, if I could just be more disciplined, or man, it's right around the corner. I'm going to turn the tide. Things are going to change. But here's the thing about tides. We don't control them, right? We don't have power over the tides. We can try, 
to have power over the tides. In fact, I remember when I was in Puerto Rico on a mission trip, and you may have heard this story before, and we were, we were canoeing down this inlet trying to get to this bioluminescent bay, and the tide was pushing us in. Kayaking in was easy. But then trying to come out of there, kayaking against the pressure of the tide was nearly impossible. In fact, one of the boats flipped and, and the local pastor, he, he jumps in the water and he yells out to me, the tide's got me. And I'm like, good luck. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna let it carry me. And he let it carry him to shore, but if he would have fought against the tide, it would have been futile. And so as we look at the the turning of tides in our lives and we ask that basic question, what tides does God wanna turn in your life? We have to get to a place where we say, okay God, I realize that I'm not strong enough, I realize that my efforts have been futile, And God, if you're going to turn the tides, I'm going to jump in and go where you're taking me. And here's what's happening in this story, in this beautiful passage. In John chapter 1, it's mirroring what's happening in Genesis chapter 1, that just as the Spirit of God hovered over the abyss and through one word created, the Spirit of God hovers over the darkness of our souls. Saying, just as I created the world, I want to recreate something inside of you, and it can happen through the word, through the spoken word, through the word who is Jesus. And I want you to know whether if you're here in this room today or maybe you're watching online and you're out of town for Thanksgiving or you're sick or whatever, that God wants to speak order and hope over the chaos in your life right now. That's God's desire for you. That if he's gonna shift the tides in your life, you have to allow God to speak over you. And so you may say, okay, God, how can I turn this tide? What happens? The first thing I wrote down is you have to receive the power of the word. Everyone say word. John chapter one, verse four says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Knowing the same God who created the world and said, hey, let there be light, and there was light for the first time once to speak, let there be life into your life and there'll be life. And I have to tell you this, this is maybe just one of my own personal things is If we need a tide to turn in our life and we realize we're not in control, we have to surrender to the fact that we need a real experience with Jesus. You know that? That you need a fresh, powerful encounter with Jesus. In fact, I was was talking to someone the other day and we were saying, man, the world is changing so much right now. The world is shifting and, and how church happens is changing. What are people hungry for? What are people desperate for? Because I can tell you this, people are not desperate for something that doesn't feel real. 
people aren't hungry for a production. They're not hungry for things or lights or anything else. Guys, I'm telling you what, you can take all of that and you can throw it away. If we're not having an encounter with Jesus, a fresh experience with Jesus. And I have to tell you this, if you need to turn the tide in your life, if you need to see something change, you need to experience Jesus. That's it. Like literally, drop the mic, walk out of the room, we're done, that's it. We need a fresh experience with Jesus and I can tell you, we gather to worship, to experience our creator. To experience a Jesus, a God that loves us, who's created us and wants to speak creation and recreate our lives. We need to encounter Jesus. And I think a lot of times people think that, man, I just need to go to church and I'll encounter Jesus. And that may be so. I pray it is. But when was the last time you had a place in your life that you needed a tide to turn, you need something to change, where you stopped where you were, that you set aside the distractions and you said, God, I need to encounter you right now. Like coming to church for an hour on Sunday is cool. But what about the rest of the week? What about Tuesday? What about when things happen, when life happens? Do we get to a place in our faith where we say, God, I need you to move and I realize I'm not strong enough? Because I, I have to tell you, church, I have so many conversations with people where they say, I just don't feel God right now. Where's he at? Have you, have you asked those questions before? And normally I'll follow those things questions up with a couple questions of my own. Not because I'm right, but I'm just basing it off my experience. I say, when was the last time you talked to God? When was the last time you opened up this book? And normally it's followed with, yeah, man, I gotta get better at that. I haven't done that in a while. Or because I'm a pastor, people will say things like, Oh, yeah, I, I do that sometimes. And I know what that means. It means you want to do it sometimes. And as I think about what it means to turn the tide in your life, it really does boil down for, to us this point of us being desperate before God and saying, God, would you do something right now? Would you take my life? Would you help me to surrender to you, Jesus? In fact, I, I feel led to pray in this moment if we can do that, church. Would you bow your heads with me? As I was writing this, I was trying to come up with a whole list of things, of ways that God may turn the tides in people's lives, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, just pray. And so I want to give you an opportunity, church, to have a moment with Jesus. 
We just came out of Thanksgiving and all sorts of other stuff, and we're tired. If we're honest, probably a lot of us forgot about God for a little while. But I want to take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to move in us and through us. Holy Spirit, come in this place. Father, come into the living rooms of my friends watching online. God, I pray that you would guide this prayer. God, may it be from your heart. Lord, as I was praying earlier, I feel that you brought some things to my heart. So I'm gonna pray them. Lord, I pray right now for the person that is walking in darkness. God, that person who's running from you right now. Circumstances have happened in their life beyond control. Beyond their control. And they're angry with you. If that's you in this place, or you're watching online, I want you to receive that, this word from the Lord today. Stop running. He's faithful. And he's with you. And he's never stopped pursuing you. You need to know that God has not neglected you or forgotten you, that God is pursuing your heart and he loves you dearly and he wants you. For the person here that feels like their heart and soul is empty right now, the word that comes to mind is emptiness. Alone. The Lord wants you to know today that he wants to fill that emptiness in your life. He wants to walk with you. For the soul right now that is separate from God, You're not forgotten. God wants your heart. If you'll surrender it to him. Lord God, I just keep thinking of all the different prayer requests that I get throughout the week and the, the prayer needs and all the healings that need to happen and the different encounters that people need to have with you, but God, you care mostly about the heart. You care about our bodies, you care about everything else, but Lord, we pray right now for the soul, for the heart of my friends right now that are in these chairs that are watching online, of our families, of our friends, God. God, that just as you hovered over the waters of darkness, Lord, and you created and said, let there be light, God, we speak your light. God, we speak your life right now into souls. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when you speak, God. 
Lord Jesus, would you move right now, Father, for my friends that are ready to surrender to you, that God, they want to surrender their souls and their lives and their hearts to you. We say a simple prayer. We say, God, we need you. Live in me. God, I pray your Holy Spirit continues to minister to our hearts and speak to us. that we'd be sensitive to how you speak, Lord, and that we would take appropriate times to be quiet and listen. As God, I've learned it's often not you not speaking. It's me not listening. Father, move in your church. We ask in your name. Amen. I know that's not typical. Um, but as I was preparing, I really felt like that's what the Lord was leading to do. And so we're going to be obedient to that, right? It's what we have to do because God has a word for you. Do you know that? That God wants to speak to you, that God loves you. And when God speaks, it happens. When God speaks, something powerful happens. There's transformation. There's life change. In fact, as I was looking through the gospel of John, I was just looking through different miracles. I find it very interesting. I found four specific miracles in here. Where all Jesus did was say a word, and it happened. Check this out. John chapter 2, at the wedding at Cana, they ran out of drinks for the party, believe it or not. And Jesus says, hey, take those jars and fill them with water. And they went and did as Jesus spoke. And the water was turned into wine. We know that in Scripture. John chapter 5. called the official son. His son was dying, and he, he runs up to Jesus. Jesus, come quickly. Come, my son is, is dying. And this is what Jesus says. He says, go back home. Your son will live. And he lived. John chapter 5, the paralytic man. He was paralyzed, and Jesus looks at him with compassion, and Jesus doesn't bend over and say, hey, let, let me help you out, buddy. This is what he says. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the Bible says instantly the man was healed. I love the story of Lazarus, John chapter 11, where Jesus looks into a tomb of his friend Lazarus who was dead. And the words of Jesus spoken, right, because Jesus is the word, and in his word is power. He said, Lazarus, come out. And scripture says, and the dead man came out. It's no coincidence that Jesus shows his power over death, disease, and other obstacles by just saying the word. God has a word for you, and it's not meaningless. It's power. It's light. It's life. I want to encourage you today, church. I know you say, but dude, this is super heavy, bro. but you need to know this. We walk around every single day and you feel it. We walk around with weight, with darkness. And God is just saying this, hey, I want to be with you. I want you to encounter me and one word is enough to change everything. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe God's word spoken over you, that God has power over sickness and disease and death? That God has power over the darkness of your soul, that God has power over the situations that you've walked through and the things that you've done? That's the incarnation. The word became flesh and he dwelled among us. And darkness had to flee because of him. You see, here's the thing about darkness. Darkness in scripture represents death, terror, chaos, hidden, the unseen things. And we move from, in the story of scripture, which is our story, which is your story, we move from this place in the Garden of Eden after God creates and says it's good and there's this guy Adam and his wife Eve and they walk around in the garden and the Bible tells us that God came down in the cool of the evening, walks with them in the garden, God in real relationship with them, but man did what man does best and rebelled against God. And because of that, man was separated from God. And then we get the scripture which is God's plan to redeem us and come back to us so he can be in right relationship with us. And so then we have Jesus incarnated, born, so that he could walk with us again. And it hit me this week, Jesus had to be born so we can be reborn, you know that? Jesus had to be born so you could be reborn into relationship with God so that God would walk with you. And as I was thinking about what it means for God to illuminate my life, for God to shine his life light into the darkness of my life, It's not just God lighting up an empty room. It's not just God saying, hey, I'm gonna get rid of some of this darkness, so I'm gonna shine my light there, and you have a little bit of my light, and you're just going out on your own. No, it's this invitation from God where God says, hey, I'm gonna move in with you. I don't know if we talk about this enough because we talk about it with our kids that Jesus wants to live in your heart. But do you know that your creator wants to dwell in you. Your creator wants to live inside of you. And I think culture and religion would tell us otherwise because we say things like, hey, uh, you know, say a prayer to the man upstairs for me. You know, I'm gonna throw out a quick prayer. God, if you're here, would you help me? It's this idea that God is external to us. But the truth is what we see in the incarnation and what Jesus did through his death and resurrection is God says, I'm not external to you. I want to live inside of you. We have to trust the power of the spoken word to dwell in us and lead us and guide our lives. And you need to understand something about darkness. I discovered this as I was reading. John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And I looked up, like, what does that mean, can never extinguish it? And as I looked into the Greek, you're going to get a Greek word today, okay? expect you to remember this. Catalimbano. Say that real quick. No, for real, say it. Catalimbano. (laughs) You got it. And as I looked through all the different definitions there, I kind of made my own definition. It means to aggressively take down, to fight, to grab hold of. And I think a lot of times when it comes to darkness, this is what it said, okay? It says, the darkness can never extinguish it. So the darkness can never take it from you, but the darkness is gonna try. The darkness isn't a passive thing, you know that? 
Right? Like we have this cool little like Sunday school version of Jesus where Jesus shines a light in our soul and everything's good. And there's still little dark pieces of our life. But man, I'm just walking in the light as he is in the light. Right? You heard that song? No, there's a battle going on. Darkness will try to kill the Jesus inside of you. Darkness tried to kill Jesus. In fact, it did when he walked this earth. Sin and death was what darkness represents. And so we cannot live our lives with this understanding, this weird yin and yang principle. It's garbage. The darkness can't coexist with light. They're not just going to like put up a fence and get along. Darkness is always going to fight against the Jesus in you. It's always going to fight against the light inside of you. And that's why there's this struggle. That's why people say, I don't feel God sometimes. I thought if I followed Jesus, everything would be perfect. No, it's just going to make the battle harder. And so when I embrace Jesus and allow him to light up my life, you need to understand that if there are other places of darkness in your life, they're going to fight you. They're going to fight your soul. They want to control your soul. Rebirth is difficult. Kind of like a plant that struggles through the soil to find the sun. Or if you've ever been present when a child was born, it's traumatic, right? It's a battle. And we wait after the child is born to hear a cry. And man, that's such a welcome sound, isn't it? Darkness is going to fight, and you're going to have to struggle. You might say, oh, thanks for encouraging me today, David. But you're going to have to struggle. But I want you to remember this verse here. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's the promise of God. You will struggle, but the promise of God is that darkness loses and Jesus wins. You know that? That you might feel like you're in your struggle right now. You might feel like you're fighting and you're trying to do everything you can. Don't stop fighting because the promise of Jesus stands and when God speaks a word, it happens. In this world, you'll have struggles. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. As we fight, as we struggle, as we allow his word to take hold, the other thing is we need to trust and join the process of what God is doing. As I shared the story about the tide earlier uh, with my friend in Puerto Rico, he says, brother, I'm going with the tide. We can either fight against what God wants to do or we can join in, church. And I'd much rather be one of those people that says, hey, as God is turning the tide, I just want to join in and be a part of what God is doing. It's one of my favorite things to body surf in the ocean. Do you ever do this? Maybe it's just what I call it, but you wait for that big wave to come in. And you're like, okay, now. And you swim as hard as you can. And you get on top of the wave and you ride it up to the shore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I just the weirdo at the beach? <laughs> Your laughs tell me the truth here. But I want to join in the work of what God is doing. As I was thinking about creation, 
and God took seven days to create, what if God would have stopped at day three? Just randomly. Day three is what I, I chose, and so I looked it up. You'd have light and dark and dry ground and vegetation, but you wouldn't have humans, animals, stars, or rest. And I think a lot of times when God begins to work inside of us, we want to stop at day one. We say, okay, God says, hey, let there be light, and there was light. And we say, okay, God, there's light here, and this is good. And I have life. But what if God wanted to continue the process of recreating you? What if God wants to continue to walk with you and work inside of you and that as you go through different periods and seasons of life that God changes you, that God adapts things inside of you, that God moves and he shifts how you view things and he shifts how you live your life and over time he develops you. We can't stop at day one, right? We say, God, take the work that you've begun inside of me and continue it forward. God, continue to move in me I trust you in this process knowing that it's going to be a struggle. But I'm in. God, I'm all in. I want to jump in the tide of what you're doing. I want to jump into the wave. And I want to tell you something, church, that just as Jesus is the spoken word and creates with his words, do you know the Bible also tells us that we have the authority of Christ living inside of us? That when you speak, you can actually speak the words of Christ, which is why the book of James is so careful to say, hey, what you say with your mouth matters. Because with your tongue, you can actually create. You can actually give life and you can actually uh, give hope and breath and meaning and purpose that you can actually be a mouthpiece of God into someone's life. But also, you can also tear down and destroy and damn and do all of these other things with your tongue. When I trust the process and I join in with the incarnation and what God is doing in the world, first I say my words matter, what I say matters, what I speak matters because God spoke life into me and because he spoke life into me, I have the responsibility to speak life into others. That might be a soapbox. But it matters. Just like your words matter, your actions matter. How we live our life matters. What comes out of us matters. This Christmas season, what can you do to turn the tides for someone else? What can you say to encourage someone else? What can you do to make a difference? And this isn't the part where I collect pledge cards. But rather an authentic question that I would ask you to ask the Lord as you've asked this question already, God, what tide needs turned in my life? God, how would you use me to help turn the tide in someone else's life? If you could look at those two questions, if you could think about those two questions, I think that our time together will be worth it. That just as God has given me life, I'm responsible to join the tide of his grace and mercy and bring good tidings to those who are still in darkness. I'm gonna finish with one final scripture. I love it. Luke chapter one, it's the message version. 
It says, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. Would you pray with me, church? God, we thank you for the tidal wave of your grace and your love. God, we thank you that your word has been spoken and that, God, when your word goes out, it does not go out and return empty or void, Father, but it goes out and it transforms lives. And so, Lord, I pray that even though we've talked about something kind of heavy, Lord, that you would deal with the darkness in our lives that you would turn the tide in our lives just as you did turn the tide for humanity when you were born. Father, may we be people that join your move and what you're doing. Father, I pray that we would be people of faith, God, that you would call us to you. And that we would listen. God, and that you would move and work through your light and life and destroy the darkness inside of us. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.